seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. My guest speaker today is a US-based podcast, co-host of Goals Podcast, a public speaker and IT manager by day. When he is not solving the tech issues to keep our global connections running, he is actively working to lift society and spread a positive culture through various media forums. He has expertise in business, finance, coaching, speaking, and raising a family of free spirits. He loves to learn and discuss thought-provoking topics that move us forward as a collective. Welcoming Levi Dub Ebbs to Get to Know You. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. So you love to. So you're saying before your nickname is Dubs, is it? That's your that's your go-to name. Yes, yes. My mom named me that, so it's just kind of stuck. So no one calls me by my name; they all call me Dub. Dub. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll keep that. <laughs> I'll keep that going too. So I guess it'll be. I guess it'll be great for the um, for the listeners to know a bit more about your podcast and um, yes, share with us. Yeah, sure. It's a uh, it's goals podcast, and goals is an acronym for genuinely out actively lifting society. So we are always looking for um, different groups or people that are out doing something that's um, positive or has an impact, or no matter how big or small, whether it's online, offline, we're always looking to um, just be out looking for people that are actively lifting society, and, and we have our own forum of subjects that we discuss when we're not doing interviews so that is goals podcast oh lovely so you do that as uh with your partner you do that together yes, so yeah my spouse and i leslie we uh we run that and it's uh it's been great so far we're getting a lot of good feedback we've been up and running for uh about a month now and it's been great Oh, fantastic. I really love what it stands for. I like how it's goals, but then each letter stands for something. So that's, uh, I really, really like that. And you've come across, you've been meeting a lot of people who are making a positive impact and, and doing a lot of different things. Like it's something that you easily come across. Oh, yes. So, so what surprised me is that it seems like the TV, the media, everything pushes quite a lot of negative things out. Absolutely. And we're finding, yeah. So what we're doing is we're going out and we're finding people that are actually the complete opposite of that. So we're we're finding tons of people. We have quite a few guests lined up. We've had um, uh, we've had the, the hip hop author on our show who uh, goes around teaching kids to read in uh, inner city areas where um, money is a little bit less uh, easy to come by. So he goes out and he teaches people to read and how to you know uh, fend for themselves and create businesses. We've had a young man who. Um, came from a hard area and was able to get a D1 scholarship and play football. And now he's an AP All-American. 
Um, so we, we've gone out and we've got different people that are doing different things and have created a community or awareness or um, something positive that they're doing to in, inspire others. I love that so much. And like you said there, like a lot of like, you know, the media is focused on the negative. So people kind of, you know, I, I hear a lot of people think that there are more negative people or in the world and mm-hmm. there's more negativity going on, but it's definitely not the case. It's just that it's in our, it's not in our faces as much. So I love that your podcast is promoting that and showing people, Hey, look at all these great things that, that are happening and that people are doing. It's not just what you're seeing on the television. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our, our um, ancient mind that we have it constantly focuses on the negative. So that's what we remember most because when we were out in the wild, we had to remember, okay, this lion might try and eat me <laughs> things like that, but we're not in that time anymore. So our job or our goal with goals <laughs> is just to change that narrative and show people, Hey, there are positive things out there. Let's, let's focus more on the positive. So yeah, absolutely. A, absolutely. The whole rewiring of the brain kind of needing to happen there. And, um, exactly. and yes. yeah, as you said, the evolution has caused us to kind of focus on that, but we don't need to like a, a lion's not going to eat us, as you said, <laughs> and we, we don't need to have that in the back of our minds anymore. So we can uh, reframe our minds and rewire into more of a, I guess, a positive outlook instead of like, you know, when, when say 10 great things happen and one bad thing happens, our brains tend to focus on that one thing. So I like how if we, we can and we do have the capability because of our, you know, plasticity of our brains to f- just flip that and just focus on those 10 great things. Exactly, yes. Mindset and, you know, just so we're, we're just out here trying to change the mindset. And I love your podcast because you, you're making people think. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So I guess we'll dive into the question. So the question, listeners, is what, is learning now Dub, before once i gave you this question what were some first things that came to your mind oh it was it was exciting it um it sparked my um interest because when you think of learning um the first thing that came to mind is well is it is it sitting down in a classroom learning or is this something that's that happens over time or do we ever stop learning so those are just some of the things that uh, came to mind for me. And then I decided to go and actually look up some actual definitions to see what people thought of learning or or what the traditional definition is and see how that compares to what I feel about learning myself. So um, I was excited because I think it's a fun topic. I think um, people never stop learning. That's my my own personal opinion. And I think growth is, you, you grow through what you go through. That's my always go-to saying. Oh, so. I like that. You what yeah. was that again? You 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 grow through what yeah. you go through. So. You grow through what you grow go through. That's cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Bit of a tongue twister, but I love that. That's, <laughs> I love that a lot. Yeah, I saw. Well, as I was researching myself, like you know, um, what I found, like the main definition is it's a, a permanent change in behavior that results from experience. Now, I was kind of surprised that it's a permanent change because I wouldn't have said learning is necessarily a permanent change. Right. Yeah. That's, that's actually interesting that you found permanent change and the definition that you found, because I feel that we're constantly learning. So it's, I feel learning has more to do with a a perspective because you could learn something and think that as fact, but if your belief changes, you may learn something else or see it from a different perspective. Um, It's no different than when we watch a movie and we notice new things that we never noticed before when we watch it a second or third time. So um, exactly. Yeah. So, so to say something would be permanent, um, 
would would almost be like it's it's saying that there's it's a law of physics almost where sure. once you learn it that's it and i don't think learning could be could be tied to physics in such a way so sure sure i think maybe like when with this definition this is from like a psychology journal so psychologists have defined it in this kind of way i think what i believe what i am uh, kind of taking from this is that it's maybe referring to things like learning like uh walking and talking and um driving a car and things like that Oh, okay, almost like muscle memory, almost. Sure, so. sure. That's what I'm thinking. Like you know, or, and language and things like that is, or if you, you know, um, have learned to to surf, your hmm. it's like your body. If you don't do it for a few months, you still know how to surf. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. That 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 would uh, fit that definition a lot better uh, in that circumstance. So, um, sure. Now. I, I, I think with the driving, it's, it's kind of interesting because if you're in um, certain states or certain countries, you drive on the left side and you would actually be doing a relearning uh, because true. that would be permanent when you go to a country where you drive on the right side. So exactly. uh, there's like, that piece of it too. Absolutely. Like in Australia, we drive on the left, on the left-hand mm. side of the road and, our, and our, the driver's seat is on the right side, whereas I know in the U.S. it's flipped right yes yes the driver's seat moves and so does the the road yeah it's very very interesting another thing that like um you know that as i was researching like uh something that was pointed out is that i think a lot of people think learning is just in one dimension yes whereas we're actually learning in like it's not a one dimension kind of thing there's like many different ways to learn Mm -hmm. and many factors that influence like how and what we learn Yes, definitely. So um, when we're younger, and well, when, you, when we're younger, the main type of learning that we do use is observational learning. And that's more where, you know, you're, you're taking in the environment that we, we see because, you know, you, you may not know how to communicate properly as a child. You're still learning the language. So a lot of thing is uh, ob- observing. So that is a form of learning all in itself. And I think that's something we continuously do uh, throughout life. If we're uh, anxious or, or nervous about something, we may watch what others do to try to figure out how to learn it as we grow until we're confident enough to start trying to figure it out ourselves uh, with observational learning. Then you also have uh, uh, cognitive learning, which is more of an active form where you're actively participating, um, more like a school style setting um, where you have someone possibly teaching and you're active, interacting with the teacher or, or uh, what we consider on the job training where you may be on a job and you're ta- you're partaking as you do something you're learning it so uh such as in the case of being like a doctor or or a uh, a lawyer where you're, it's a practice per se yeah sure absolutely i guess with like with observational learning like a lot of people would just assume that would just be like for children like children like mimicking behaviors of their parents to like learn something but we do that we tend to do that as adults also Yes, yes. So we constantly are doing that. I mean, if you ever sit down and watch a documentary, um, that's observational learning. If you um, are out and you're, you know, watching someone fish and you're learning to fish, you're observing what they do to uh, catch on to something like that as well. So it's something that we continuously do. But we, when we think of observational learning, we are, uh, most of the study has been focused on children. So that's where we, we tend to drive our own mindset and thinking to it. 
Sure, absolutely, absolutely. I wonder too, though, is like one of these kind of learning behaviors, because you know how there's like, you know, there's like the three major types of behavioral learning, which is observational learning that you mentioned, mm-hmm. operant conditioning and classical conditioning. So the classical mm-hmm. conditioning is like, for example, like a mental stimulus, uh, which gets a natural response. So like, say a dog would hear a whistle and, he'd, and he would know that he's going to get some food. Right, right. So that would be like a classical kind of conditioning of like um, behavioral learning. The other one was operant conditioning. So that's when like you have a response, it being um, like is like increases or decreases due to like a reinforcement or a punishment. That was another kind of a way of learning. But I'm curious about like, you know, are one of these kind of our major learning, do you think it's one of our major learning methods? Um, Does one dominate over another? Well, I believe um, it depends on the setting. So, um, with learning, there, there, that's it's almost like a, a two-way street. So you have, um, you have your if you if you have like let's let's just take uh, operant conditioning where you have someone who's going to um, make it where um, you, depending on what you do, you have a certain response that happens. That, that's a two-way street. You have to actively participate in that in order for that learning to take place. Um, but if you're in a classroom setting um, and you're not interested in a topic, you're not going to technically learn if someone's ter- trying to teach you something. So um, I believe it just depends on, uh, I don't think there's one that's dominant over the other. I think the, I think it depends on uh, the, the given circumstance and um, our, our response to to that circumstance because also oh. you, you may have uh what i noticed is you <laughs> you have some people who might be uh, very uh strong-willed and if they're not uh up for your operant conditioning where it's you know if i do this i receive a reward if i don't um then there's a consequence if they don't want to partake in that uh platform then they, they may not do either <laughs> no so no so it, I don't think there's one that dominates necessarily over the other. I think that they are all, uh, our lifestyles are so co-mingled into what we do every day that you're going to learn regardless, I believe. I don't think there's sure. one that can be dominant. Sure, sure. I guess too, like when it comes to a classroom and learning as a child, you know, I think, you know, others we've all grown up kind of in this kind of one method of learning. But yet we're all not we're not we're all not adapting or we're all not performing at our optimum because of this one method of learning. Only some people because it it works for them because of their I don't know is there part of part of learning is it like an innate genetic thing in 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 a, in a way that okay this way of learning works for this group of people and they are performing at their optimum, but this other group of people you know students in the classroom aren't performing at their optimum. Is, it, is there some genetic factor, do you think, that's part of it that allows someone to, to perform at their optimum when it comes to learning in a, like one way? Because as I'm saying in a classroom, you um, get what I'm trying I, to say? Yeah, yeah. So I, I believe what I'm hearing is um, that you, genetically speaking, there's, there's more than one way to learn. And some people learn better based on uh, the type of scenario where some people may not learn learn as easily while sitting in a classroom setting. They, they need to be in a more um, open style setting where they're actually actively hands-on doing something. Uh, is, that, is that what you're saying? 
Sure, sure. Um, but more so like, do you think there's a genetic component to it to for, for some kids to perform better than others in like just like relative to like being able to learn something and pick it up quicker? Uh, definitely. Um, I feel like if if you're learning, so I don't think an artist learns in the same way as a poet. Um, they see pictures as um, a poet may see words uh, with the way that they um, do do their learning or some someone may be able to just read text and learn while someone else needs um, the the rhyming of words in order to learn and to experience that information a lot better. It's actually there's a study that um, if you were to take uh, hip hop lyrics are actually one of the most commonly learned um, uh, or memorized song methods. And the reason for that is, is because of the repetitive uh, rhythm of the words that are rhymed together. So what they started doing is they had some experiments where they started teaching children through uh, rhyming words. And that's why uh, people or young children uh, learn nursery rhymes more easily because of the words that rhyme together. And that's why uh, Dr. Seuss um, is a very popular uh, children's book teller because he wrote in such rhymes that caught on for children. So. Oh wow! I didn't really, I didn't realize that. So there's like obviously a study done behind it, to, which yes. makes sense as to why you're able to grasp words or have, you know, I guess not learn, but put them to memory. Is that what is that what the study was talking about? Like being able to put these words to memory. Yes, it was memorization, and then it was as well as uh, applying certain methods. So if you were to take um, a mathematic equation and put it in a rhyme format. Um, for some children, and then you take the other study case of kids and just give them the traditional format. The kids that had the the rhyming method of learning that um, equation held on to the knowledge and were able to apply it. So they were not not only were they able to learn it easier, but they were also able to apply it and put it into practice a lot easier. Um, sure, sure, that makes a lot of sense. I guess, like if I'm looking at my own learning, and I remember, like you know, when we're studying, kind of medicine like in the body and things like that you know to remember muscles to remember the bones in the hand we came up with a rhyming kind of uh you know funny kind of thing to remember to remember them or even just something simple as um um you know north south east west just for you know as kids like yeah i remember in australia remembered it as like never eat soggy wheat bix or something like that Uh, yeah exactly there it is yeah (laughs) So yeah, the the rhyming method is is been one that uh, they started studying. I, I don't I don't remember when that was. I think it was like a, a early '90s that, that that study took place. Um, but it was proven to be such a a very useful method that they started sure. applying it a little bit more into practice. Sure. Do you think learning though, like the way we're learning now, and like how people learn and like interact with their environments, is kind of is it? Do you think we're as a society learning better or worse or are people or are people being like, do you think um, inhibiting their capabilities to learn? Yeah. Uh, um, Well, that's, that's a, that's a really loaded question. It's a really good one. (laughs) Um, And so what comes to mind is when we talk about that for me is, uh, the teacher will appear when the student is ready to learn. I think we are in a massive shift in society from um, what we see as uh, a traditional learning style. We have uh, a lot of information 
that we can gather uh, instantly at our fingertips with the technology of cell phones and computers and just the connectedness of the world. And that's created it where uh, a society where we don't want to just the fill-in information or those simple facts that we need to learn because what our mind does is it's kind of like um, before cell phones, people would be able to memorize phone numbers. Once you got um, a cell phone, no one remembers numbers anymore. You just click the name and off you go. So it's a, it's a piece of learning that no longer is needed, which opens your mind up for other information. And so what I've noticed is throughout the past decade or two decades with the growth of uh, the internet and technology for cell phones is we have so much information at our fingertips that we, lo- we lose the um, like facts or, or when you're taught in school and uh, they, they try to teach you facts about countries and things like that, people aren't as interested in that. So they're more interested in a, a creative world now. So I've seen a shift where people don't want to learn just that concrete facts or history per se we're starting to see a shift where people want to um, learn more about what's, what's of interest to them. And I think it's created mm. more creative people in our society. So we're no longer just having, you know, um, science, technology, or um, facts on history and culture. We're starting to learn, okay, uh, what is it about me internally that I want to do? What is it that I can bring to the table? Or, or how can I create something that society can use or, or things of that nature. So I've seen a shift in learning uh, in that way. Sure. I like that. I never, I never thought of it like that. Like you think you're saying that people are more because of the internet and things like that. People are kind of wanting to be more creative, Yes, which is something yes. that I didn't, didn't think of before. Cause like, when you're looking at like as you're saying like people aren't putting things to memory like birthdays everyone's seeing a facebook uh, oh blah blah blah's birthdays today instead yeah. of like we used to put these things you know put them in me- to memory like i know the elder generation are still doing that they still have mm-hmm. these mem- you know they still remember these certain dates and times and when things happen in their lives but you know are we kind of like is our ability do you think to memor- remember are we losing that are we not losing that um you know, exercising the aspect of our brain because we don't need to remember things anymore, like as such? I think we're just shifting what we want to remember more than anything. So I think that, uh, you know, kind of like that phone book analogy, that the information that's there, we don't want to remember. <laughs> it's it's mm. like, okay, I can just go look it up. Why do I need to memorize this information? Where it's like, I want to go memorize something that's going to be more pertinent to what's going to help me right now or what's going to help me improve right now, which is, you know, created that creative society. But I feel like the, the actual uh, memorization piece is still there. It's just, what is it we're deciding to test on for memorization versus what people are actually trying to memorize. Um, so I think it, it's, it's a two part. It's that two, almost that two way street where we're, we're almost um, needing what we're teaching to catch up to, what people are willing or wanting to actually learn. Sure, sure. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I'm, I'm thinking too, like, you know, um, when it comes to, um, you know, our systems of learning and how, you know, most of the world is kind of going about doing that, are we kind of, is this system that, we, that we've been placed in, this education system, kind of preventing us from learning after, like, those who go to college or go to university, preventing people from learning 
after that period of time because a lot of people like you know they might go to college and they might get a degree and whatever and um or they may not and then like or they might just finish high school and then they kind of don't allow them their you know they don't put themselves in situations or or have uh i guess the urges or needs to want to learn something uh yeah definitely and so yeah so <laughs> so with with that i think that people when they go to school they're going now for um finance they they they're trying to basically choose a career where they can grow their income where it may not be for um learning for in improving us as a advancement in society if you look at the industrial era of past in the history or you look at throughout history it seems like we're growing or advancing so much as uh, a society but really all we're doing is we're growing technology that makes it easier easier for us to be lazy so we're not really using our mind function as much as we probably could um for learning how to do do things for me i call it being creative because when we are creative and experimenting that's when we are really growing and advancing society and if you look at just the growth of um things that we've created over the past you know 50 years it's really actually stagnant compared to the type of things that we were constantly growing and improving uh prior to that right now we just where you were improving uh computers and and things of that nature um for for growth and actually the being able to make things smaller and more faster is actually slowed down because uh we're reaching the peak of what we can do with technology so when we reach the peak of how small how fast uh or how much information we can put into a small piece of uh a device what do we do then what do we learn then what do we take our society and grow it to from there um is the next question and so i think that's where we need to get back to as far as learning is trying to make people get back into their creative uh mind because we learn best and we grow best when we're in a playful state and that's through creating absolutely so, Abs- yeah absolutely i think i have to disagree with some of the what, what you're saying there like i think in the last 50 years we've we've kind of like you know tech, i know technology and, and medicine and uh, many other things have kind of enhanced more so in the last what 50 years than ever before like we've, right, we're right. rapidly coming up with like new technologies like i think almost daily it's just a you know even with like cars like tesla um you know in medicine uh, different pharmaceutical things vaccinations all these other kinds of things and um i i think it definitely definitely enhancing i think though like i think only i would say a small proportion of people are enhancing and they are going in that really great forward kind of direction in the world. I think a large proportion of the of the world are kind of uh plateaued okay. and not allowing themselves to kind of learn or understand or or because a lot of that stuff really comes down to cognitive kind of function like if your if your brain you know say you you are a 70 year old or a 60 year old now and you really you never picked up a book after you turned 18 mm-hmm. or you never tried to uh you just not someone who goes on the internet to to read information about things or you 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 stick it in your routines and your natural ways of things you know i think there are a lot of people who are kind of in that category where as a collective 
we're not moving as forward, like forward in a kind of in a healthier direction that we could be doing. Okay. Like that's that's kind of where I'm seeing even you you know like you you see it in like leaders in politics and things like that and um and just you know nations that are mainly built with you know with poverty so like leaders are able to take advantage of their people mm. instead of actually educating them. Right. So when you when you say that so that's that's kind of where my point drives is that we're, we're not educating people to move forward. And then when you look at, like you mentioned, the cars and everything um, that with that technology, it's it's advancing. But if you look at the percentage of advance, advancement in it, it's it's uh, a smaller percent than if we were to take, you know, a 1908 car versus a, a 1970s car versus a, uh, a car of today. So while we make these changes in uh, society or technology or, or advancement in growth, the actual percent of growth is, uh, as far as, you know, the leap forward seems to be smaller. Than, sure. Than do you mean, have. do you mean also the fact that, you know, we're not coming up with new ideas or new tech, new, like something right. new, like we're kind of exactly. enhancing, enhancing what we've already got. Right. We're, we're almost like recycling what we have to make that perform at a, at a better pace versus finding something new like we've gone to the moon but we how why are we not having people on mars yet you know so it, that's the the step or the piece that i i mean by when i say that our our culture or our society is not um moving forward as far as that type of advancement if you look at um just even the number of sheer people going to college for degrees nowadays it's it's decreased if you look at the number of um people going for the arts that's decreased uh, because there's no money in it. So people are starting to find uh, ways to just go to school for money. And then they may not like what they're doing. So they're not giving their all, which is when someone likes what they're doing, when they feel like they're, like I said, when you feel like you're at play, that's where the creative piece comes in. We learn and we grow. And then we can teach that to other people. Where people right now, I think, are just kind of stagnant, like you were saying. Um, they don't, they don't want to learn. There's not much learning happening or there's not much um, growth is what I say, is what I like no. put that as. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's much growth or progression with like among like individuals, just with people and, and their, right. their, their, well, I guess growth that they want to do as well. Like, could you think like a big part of this, we're kind of going off, but it doesn't matter. I, I like this. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think a big part of this is people don't want to learn? Are they like, is it they don't want to learn or don't know how to learn? I think it's, uh, I don't think it's necessarily people don't want to learn. I think we're, we have so much at our fingertips, so much information. It's almost like um, drinking from a, a water, a fire hydrant. So you're thirsty and there's so much information out there. And when you go to try to find out what it is you might be interested in, you're bombarded by all this data that it's hard. It's It's like sensory overload. You can't figure out what's what or you know, what to take in. So it's, it's like, um, a lot of people, I think without having a, a lot of people like to say, okay, this is what I want to do. And we don't set a plan forward and how we're going to learn it. And so when people do that, they be, then become overwhelmed. And I think there's just a lack of planning that seems to happen right now. And until we can help people learn to properly plan or figure out, you know, uh, a way forward, 
there, <laughs> there's an analogy called uh, in order to eat an elephant here, it's one bite at a time. And I think we have to teach, teach people, you know, how to take that one bite or that one step at a time that will develop and build on whatever. We kind of have this microwave society where it's like, okay, I want to know everything right now. Yeah. And um, well, it's, it's like, you know, it takes 18 years to get to 18. <laughs> so I think we, uh, we just have to uh, kind of rein in those, those minds that have this, uh, this seven second, you know, currently I think, what is it? The human mind has a attention span, attention span of about six seven or seven seconds. seconds. Yes. Yeah. There you go. So it's it's that mentality that we have to try to turn off and say, okay, let's rein it in. Let's let's figure out how we can really actually learn something here. And when you take that time instead of the impatience, then we can grow, and then that's where we can start to take off again. Sure, I like that. I like that theory that you have there. Like, yeah, I think, like you said here, like a, a big part of that is impatience, and humans want to know everything now. Yes. They want everything to happen today. I, 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 I definitely fall in that category. Very, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm extremely impatient. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I, I wonder how, like, you know, moving forward in this, like, because there are a lot of adults now who I, I don't, you know, they definitely have the capabilities to learn, but to move forward as a, as a collective, as a, as a world, like, I would say we'd need to start from our education systems need to change. Oh, definitely. I, I feel that uh, our education system globally is very outdated and it doesn't keep up with um, the, the norms for now. We, our current um, teaching style throughout most of the world is built for an industrial age where it teaches you to you know, sit in a desk and pay attention to the person up front. And then when you actually go out into the workforce, that's, that's kind of like what you're doing. You're either going into a cube or you're going into a factory and you're supposed to pay attention to the manager or the supervisor and follow their directive where now we need, you know, that's kind of, we're out of the industrial age and we're into something a lot bigger and different. And I think with the uh, pandemic that's been going on with uh, Corona across the globe, it's kind of been able to take, you know, take teaching back because kids aren't in schools. They're having to find a different way to learn and they're having to come up with more creative styles of teaching children. And so I think that's actually one of the things that's going to come out as a positive from mm. what's happening right now is because now we're having to say, okay, well, we need to come up with a better way of teaching children information. And how are they going to take that in? And how can we do this on a large scale from, you know, anywhere in the world? So we're not just having these kids sitting in a classroom, you know, after they've eaten or they're all hyper trying to get them to sit and just, just be still and listen to what a teacher's saying in the front. And um, I think once we start um, really recreating our education system from the ground up, that's when we're going to start to see a lot of growth and change. And that, I mean, that we could be 20, 20, 30 years off on that, but um, that's going to be the step that's going to take us in a better direction because uh, across the globe, you see that uh, students in their uh, aptitude has gone down. Well, especially, well, I know for sure in the United States, um, the aptitude, the testing that has been taking place has brought down uh, the level of education and performance that we've seen. Oh, okay. So you're saying, so um, the testing that the kids, because the kids aren't really being tested at the moment as such because they can't because obviously it's, they can, do you think, like a lot of people argue that we shouldn't have to be tested as well, like in our learning systems, like yeah. you shouldn't have to get a grade. 
like that's not the way to learn oh you got a a plus or you got a 96 percent or you know is that the way of learning of like just keep handing out something get a grade hand out something get a grade is that that's clearly like um as we're creating new ways of learning this kind of part of assessment like would be eliminated so would would you say do you think that that's a, a good thing uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's it would be a good thing to eliminate that because you have so many people who there's so many learning styles to say that this is going to be our only way that we can verify that you um, have have knowledge or that your mind can can show us what what it does is just like saying we're going to take a, a you know a square and put it in a round hole and um, it it just it, it it limits the ability to uh, show what a child can do. And then what happens is you create a atmosphere where um, these kids that could be geniuses feel inferior. Um, it's, I think it was Albert Einstein that said, um, when you try to, when you judge a, tr- a fish by climbing a tree, they're always going to fail. So uh, I, I believe that's true. And I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that that is a, a piece that needs to be eliminated in our school systems. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I, I love when I'm seeing these different, you know, there's, uh, there's some companies, like I don't know if you heard of Mind Valley by Vishen Lakhiani, and he's kind of pushing for this old system, like he's created his own kind of educational system and f- for kids and other people and adults. To, and, and like it's showing that it's like a ongoing thing, you know, right now, like our schools are okay from from when you're four to, to 12, you're in primary school, and then from like 12 to 18, you're in high school, and then further, you're in uni. But whereas this system that is created um, can happen anywhere in the world, and it's also like uh, it's something that is ever ever ongoing. Ah, which okay. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to um, look into it, but I know about Mind Valley, and so I'm actually, you have me now, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I want to go look that up and find out more about it because – um, that that's perfect. I mean, you have people's minds are going to be able to to grow depending on their capacity. You could have a twelve year old who outperforms a, a twenty year old depending on what it is that they do. So I think that um, that what you're talking about is is something that should be brought to the forefront a little more, especially when it comes to learning. Um, because, like I said, you know, it just depends on you know what what people want to learn and where they're at, where their aptitude is, and and where one child may perform and do very well, another may go in a totally opposite direction. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So uh, the to educate is to bring out, and I think that's where we have to get back to with our education system is to bring out what the child um, has as their abilities. Because right now, I think what we're doing is we're saying, okay, these are the skills you must have, and if you don't yes. have these skills, you're not smart or you can't advance. And that's, I think that's the wrong way of teaching and learning for a child or even a human or, or, you know, an adult. Anyone, (laughs) exactly. Anyone, instead of like, you know, like you're all put in one classroom, this is what you, um, you need to learn this instead of, okay, well, what do you actually, you know, I think this would, would honestly take a lot more time or one-on-one teachers would have to spend a lot of one-on-one with the children to understand, you know, Mm -hmm. what it is. Okay. Where is this, where are the strengths of this child? And how can I promote those strengths and encourage those strengths? But I'm, I'm, I'm like something that I'm always thinking about. I'm like, who's in charge of this? You know, like, I'm just like, well, <laughs> why can't our systems change? Who actually has the order to say, okay, we're not doing this system anymore? Like, it's, you know, it's, it's something that boggles my mind. Like, 
why aren't we changing the system or who was in charge of it? Does, does the person who is in charge of it know that they're in charge of doing that and they just didn't realise? Because I think that that could be a big factor involved in it too. Like they don't realise, oh, wait, we could change the whole education system and they're in control of doing that. Yeah, definitely. So is it, yeah, so, and I don't, I don't know how other countries are because I'm, I'm from the U.S., but in the U.S., <laughs> you have um, government funding, obviously, that's one that you get. You get that at the federal level, you get that at the state level, you get that at the local level by uh, your city or county. Also, you have your superintendent who decides on the education standards that are met, and they are supposed to take suggestions from the teachers. and that's kind of like the, the way the, the education system works in the United States. And I think there's not enough people, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure how other countries work, uh, pushing for change. They're, I think we're just, they're kind of mandated that, okay, right now, this is what we have as our system and it's not going to change. So we're, too many people are okay with the status quo. And I think sure. we need to have more, more people wanting uh, to uh, push back on that and push the narrative to something better like like we're discussing here so absolutely absolutely i think that that's probably the, the biggest problem of all uh, so many people are like i don't want to change yes. anything i'm doing like i don't want to move i don't want to budge my i don't want to change my belief about something my belief about mm-hmm. someone my whatever it may be i'm just yeah. going to stay in this in this kind of mindset it's working for me i know what to expect Instead of yes. going, you know, taking taking the leap forward, and the that's it's that's so true. And I think we have a, a mindset of we get in this habits, you know, because it's just like learning. You know, you have certain neural connectors in the mind that once you learn them, there's this like electrical storm or this pathway uh, that's created. And you know, the more you walk a path, the more you know the grass becomes brown, and then it becomes yeah. dirt. And then you have this path and you're like, okay, I know this connection inside my brain. This is what I've learned. Now you want me to go and create a new path. I don't want to, you know, it's, it's the adjustment. So I feel, you know, just, the, just like learning, just like what we're talking about here in this subject is that you have to be able to have that ability to want to um, move it forward and make the change. Because when you get stuck in those habits, that's where you lack growth because you think, okay, I know this. There's nothing else I need. And I think that probably is part of why when some people graduate uh, college or university or wherever, they decide not to learn or grow anymore because they figure, okay, I know it all. I know what I need to know. And that's all I need. And versus us being more open to other ways and creating more neurons within the brain that start to fire. So. Absolutely. That's the key point there that you just pointed out. Like obviously if you're, you've created that neural, neural connection, that pathway in your brain and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, it's going to be hard to like grow the grass over that again and get rid of that path and create a, a new one. That's exactly, exactly how it works. So like in, in saying that then, that in some way or form, a lot of this is out of the control of the individual. If, that's, if that neural network, that pathway is so cemented in the brain, and it's so, so strong, like people who are depressed, who have depression, for example, mm-hmm. and they cement that thought or that memory or whatever that experience is, and they keep revisiting that memory over and over and over again. It's almost like impossible to like break away from that or grow those, you know, grow grass over that neural network and create a new pathway. So in some way or form, it's kind of out of their hands, I would say. Hmm. Uh, I would, uh, 
I would I would take a different thought process on that because the mind is such a beautiful thing. It's constantly able to adapt. Um, yeah. That it, what we have to do is begin to pay attention to our feelings and our thoughts that create these. Um, our, our, our thoughts create a reaction within our body by what we feel. So when we get that actual feeling that creates that depressive state, it creates the chemical reaction that our body, you know, ex- exhibits. And so then it's a reinforcement because like you said, of the neural pathway. But when we start to recognize, okay, well, what is it that I'm doing that's causing me to get this feeling that's creating this reaction and now I have depressive states? When we st- take a minute to stop and think about that, then we can say, okay, when I start to feel that, oh, I can hit the brakes and re, you know, readjust. So I'm not continuing, continuing to create the dirt pathway that I'm trying to grow grass on. And it's no different than when you have a patch of grass that someone's trying to grow and they've just seeded and they put the, uh, the barriers around it for no one to walk on. So it's just a matter of us putting up that roadblock that says, okay, hey, I know when I get to X point, I need to adjust my thinking. And it's just a matter of continuous, uh, continuing, continuously going and making that adjustment to stop and say, okay, I'm going to take this other pathway. Eventually what's going to happen is it takes a long time and it takes a lot of work, which like we said, <laughs> a lot of people don't want to do, but when they're able to actually do that, the mind will make that shift. And over time, without us even noticing, we're going to eventually break away from that habit uh, completely. And then that depressive state may completely shut off. And that can happen without even medication. Not, you know, yeah. I'm not a doctor. Uh, so no, no, no. I'm Absolutely. not going to say you we, stop taking your we meds. Have but. The, no, no, no. <laughs> I get what you mean. We have the capacity to do that. And there's a lot of like, you know, like what I initially said at the start of this conversation is that the human brain is, is like there's plasticity all throughout our lifetime. We can change things, habits, routines, whatever they may be over, over a course of mm. time. And we have that capability to do that. It's just like I think the biggest problem is, as we were also saying, that people want something now and they're not willing to put the work in and they're not aware of it also you know a big a big thing too is they're probably not they're not aware when they go down that path or they probably are but they're like oh you know it's kind of feeding that emotion that oh i know this emotion i'm going to go down that pathway and they're not they're not so they're not so aware of oh shit stop what am i doing I'm going to, I'm going to take a different path. Why am I thinking like that? Let me, let me take another route. Like doing that, saying that to yourself and stop requires a lot of like self-awareness that I think that's probably the biggest part that is lacking in a lot of people. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, it, it just, you know, energy goes where the mind flows. So the more, I think, you know, sometimes we may need to just go find a, a counselor. I think a lot of people are afraid of counseling. Um, but if we can go to figure out, okay, what are these key triggers for me for whatever it may be, um, that's causing you to have whatever issues are are going on within your mind to, to keep you from basically in a defeated state. When we can figure out what those are, sometimes the experts will help us figure those out so we can recognize them, like you said, and then it's up to us to put in the work at that point to, um, make the shift. So I think it's, it's something we all have to consciously work at it's not something that's going to happen overnight and i don't think it's something that uh it's for the week it's not for the week you know to to go down that journey that path of the unknown is uh it can be scary but the other side is so much better than continuing the habits that we're in so i mean to continue to do 
the same thing over and over again is craziness. So Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Com- completely, completely agree. Well, this has been such an interesting conversation, Dub. Like I really enjoyed this. Like, um, you know, it's really brought up a lot of things in my mind and just the way I'm learning and how I'm learning and what I'm learning and is, is am I learning the right way and things like that, you know, like it's kind of playing all those different things. It's made me kind of reflect in that kind of way. What I like to do is ask my guest speakers, how is this kind of conversation with me now? How has it made you kind of reflect differently or highlight something to you? Uh, well, this entire conversation has made me think about the way that I learn and the way that I even uh, go about uh, public speaking to others. So from the awareness that I have now, it's helped me realize that there's ways that I can uh, do better as far as uh, helping others grow as well as helping myself learn. So now I'm going to actually go back and take a take a back seat to uh, some of the things that I thought I knew and try and learn uh, a little bit more about or take another perspective and, and try and grow so that I'm not caught in my current beliefs and I continue continue to rise. So I appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming to the podcast. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrow. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, what is learning? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.